Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Surprisingly bitter, uh, considering <laughs> considering that the orders won in overtime, um, mm. 6-5. I, I, you know, I can think of all kinds of things that went wrong in that game, and it's hard for me to think of, like I couldn't, I was struggling to think of a good thing, and now I've forgotten what my good thing was. So, um, <laughs> I think I, ha- oh yeah, I remember what it is now, but, um, it was just, it was, you know, brutal. The orders were up four to one mm-hmm. and the way they gave up that, you know, they, they ended up, the St. Louis Blues ended up tying at five, five in the third. And the way it happened was we've seen this too many times and the orders just, you just know it's coming. They start playing sloppy, thoughtless lazy lazy ass defensive hockey bruce lazy 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 defensive hockey this is not a team that will succeed in the playoffs if they don't get it in the playoffs yeah they were quoting uh what's his name the the blues coach craig Berube saying if you can't mm-hmm. play defense you're not going to win anything this Oilers team is not going to win anything the way it's playing mm-hmm. right now and this goes right from the top of the, the roster, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Darnell Nurse, to the bottom. And in some ways, the guys at the top are most culpable because they're the team leaders and they set the tone for the team. And they were a big part of the problem tonight in tonight's game. So I know that, you know, people, some people don't like to hear that, you know, any criticism of the best players. But honestly, that's what I saw tonight. And I've seen it throughout the regular season. They, you know, they, they obviously can play strong defensive hockey. But it's not their religion. And, you know, it's, it's not what they do every minute of every game. They take big chunks of the season off. And I don't know, like, I haven't watched Sidney Crosby, you know, the, the top 200-foot player in the game, game in, game out. Maybe he does the same thing. I don't know. Maybe they, maybe you have to do that in this long marathon of the season. But it is kind of disconcerting. I think it's, um, I we see it too often for me to have, you know, my usual buoyant confidence in this Edmonton Oilers team. I'm seeing this too much, this kind of defensive shredding. We saw it in Tippett's, the last days of Tippett. And, um, you know, I don't know what, what you can do do about it, but it's, it's happening. Yeah, I'll get into some of that in my number. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's frustrating to uh, uh, to have a, a multi-goal lead and a must win games slip away on home ice for the second game in a row uh, against the critical, uh, you know, uh, potential rival in the playoff race. I mean, ultimately, the Oilers came away with, well, we normally say the two points, but they came away with two of the three points, uh, with the other team kind of stealing one because they were able to get themselves back in the game. So anyway, that's, uh, uh, like I say, I'll keep at least they won, right? At least they won. So oh, I yeah, should be happy. Like I should be happy yeah. about that. Like I'm they happy. did. They won. They, they it was an, an, a, just a fantastic overtime goal, and they won. I'm happy. And they won. So let's start with our good things, Bruce. What's uh, what are you going to have for your good thing? Is it going to be that overtime my, goal, or what is it? My good thing is that Craig Berube, who is a man I admire and respect. Let's start there. Uh, but he started Craig Bennington in goal, and I thought it was a good thing. And the Oilers proceeded to light up, said Craig Bennington, for four goals in uh, 13, and a, 13 and a half minutes. 
13 shots, four goals, sent him to the showers, built a comfortable lead. And of course, within that good thing of uh, which I'm couching as uh, uh, Barubi's decision was the fact that the Oilers came out early and created some good chances and converted several of them. And they didn't convert them all. I mean, geez, Finnington, the first four shots he faced were two goals by uh, uh, Zach Hyman from in close, uh, a two-on-one drive by Leon Dreisel, and a breakaway by Connor McDavid. He also faced a breakaway by Zach Cassian where he missed the net. And the whole Blues team came out uh, at sixes and sevens, and they uh, they were turning the puck over. They didn't have any crisp play in their own end uh, until um, Bennington got pulled after the fourth goal, and I'm glad he got pulled after the fourth, not the third, let's put it that way, because the Oilers were only able to get one more in regulation on uh, Dilly Husso, the uh, emergency uh, replacement netminder. Uh, but uh, the good thing was that early start to the game, and the Oilers dominated the first period. Uh, what we have scoring uh, grade A is 11 to 3. Yeah, and in the first. And um, well, eleven to four by the end of it, but yeah, right. And uh, natural stat trick had a fourteen to seven high danger chances, and the order's high danger chances in this game went from fourteen in the first to three in the second to two in the third to one in the overtime. So fourteen of their twenty, seventy percent of their grade A shots came in the first period. So I mean, there is the hot start, and that's my good thing. And saying, yeah. Uh, came out of the gate and they, they seem to, for now at least, have resolved that ridiculously long-lasting problem of giving up the first goal and falling behind early in games. Now the problem is not getting the lead early in games, but how to hang on to that lead. So, I guess we should be celebrating the, what is it, the ninth straight home victory, which is a franchise mm-hmm. record. Uh, and well, again, yeah, just... It doesn't feel like a night to celebrate for some reason, Bruce, but uh, that is worth, that is something, and it's that's fantastic. It is and it isn't a franchise record. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, this is one where I, I put a lot of stock in the playoffs, and you're just talking about results of games. And in the 1985 Stanley Cup playoffs, the Oilers went 10-0 and on their home ice. Uh, they won uh, two games off of, uh, off of Winnipeg. Uh, Two games, uh, the heck they beat in the second round in 85. Oh, they beat LA, then they beat Winnipeg, then they beat Chicago, three home games, and then they swept the last three games of the Stanley Cup finals against Philly for a 10 and 0 playoff run, 10 straight wins. And in 1988, they up one up that by winning 11 straight home games, including the final game of pinching game of all four playoff series as they rolled to the last of the Gretzky Cups. And that was uh, the one where they swept the finals and somehow won three games at home due to uh, uh, the famous power failure at Boston Garden. That was the playoff year of everything. So there's the sort of standalone record, 11 games played, 11 games won in the 1988 Stanley Cup playoffs for home games. But we'll we'll, we'll call it a regular season record and, and they tied it. That's great. I'd like to see a Oilers trivia contest between you and Bob Stoffer, Bruce. I don't know who would win. Stoffer's I don't know. good. Stoffer's he, good. He probably won. He, oh, I don't know I, about I, that. I have, my, I have my sweet spot, so. You do. <laughs> Especially the 80s. Hit that one right out of the park. Yeah, the 80s, okay. I attended uh, all those games. I remember those wins. I can tell you the score probably all of them. I won't, but I could. 
All right, well, we'll just pass on that particular pleasure, pleasantry for tonight, but maybe we'll get back to that at a different podcast. In the summer, when we got time to fill on the podcast, we'll, we'll do that. Uh, Bruce, uh, so the, the start was good, and you've, and you've recounted that. The, in some ways, the, uh, the key goal, because it looked like the others were going to lose this, you know, they have their usual second period collapse where you just know it's hap- it's coming, it's coming, and here they do collapse. And um, and then Darnell Nurse rushes that puck up the ice, makes an absolutely fantastic pass, cross-ice dart over to Kane, who puts it on net, hard shot on net, and Husso, who's been very good up until then, not making any mistakes, makes a mistake. He drops the puck, and Nurse goes to the fracking net, picks up the puck, and beats the goalie. Just a great fundamental play. Go to the net, go to the net, go to the net. And he does it and he scores. And it turns out to be a huge goal. Um, it stops St. Louis's momentum. It should have decided the game, you know, at that point. But the orders just came out in the third. And just that first goal against in the third was a particular one that stuck in my craw. I just thought it was horrible yeah. by every player on the ice. And anyway, Darnell Nurse, though. Great play, great rush, and that's part of the package with Nurse. Um, he He's such a valuable player for the Edmonton Oilers, and I know he's gotten a lot of criticism, including from me uh, in and recent weeks, and you, from most people. And um, But he he plays the hardest position on the team other than goalie, I think, is top line, number one D-man. He's out there every single game against the best players on the opposing team. You know, the the O'Reilly's and the um, Tarasenko's. They didn't have Jordan Cairo, I guess, tonight, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, every game, he's against these absolutely brilliant attackers. You know, the best hockey attacking players in the world. He's out there and he's got to stop them. And yeah, he's he struggles now and then. But he's such a force. He's so fast. He's so big. He can make plays. And... Um, Certainly, certainly never a lack of effort from Darnell Nurse. Sometimes a um, a lack of uh, concentration, maybe making the wrong read. But that happens too to players; they make the wrong read. But um, just a great play that highlighted his talent stack as an attacking hockey player. Yeah, a goal and assist for him tonight, and uh, some signs of uh, of. Uh, uh, participation in the offensive game. Uh, he, you know, he's uh, still having his challenges behind his own blue line. But uh, uh, you know, with with Nurse, you know, when he's on his game, you're always going to get some good and some bad. It's just the ratio between the two that matters most. And uh, I think he's starting to calm that down a bit for a while. Then it was all going south. What is your bad thing, Bruce? <sighs> I'm going to. Um, talk about the, the the net minding of Mike Smith and I will uh, I will say he did make some saves tonight he made some big saves uh, there, there were some breakdowns in front of him uh, but we had him uh, in some way part of the problem on the first four St. Louis goals and normally in a game you know you're not happy with your goalie is sort of a culprit on one of the goals and any more than that, you're, you're starting to veer into the land of uh, not good enough. Uh, but on the first goal, which was a, a wraparound, he went down on the one side of the net, and he just was not able to even compete to come across for the uh, for the play on the other side of the net. Uh, on the second one, 
uh, was a cross slot pass that went right through the blue paint for the tap in on the other side. And you and I both thought that that was a play. You know, the play for Smith there was to was to uh, try and cut out that pass, but uh, that didn't happen. Again, there were other mistakes by several other skaters on that play. Yeah. Uh, the four three goal. This one was just kind of ugly. It was just an outside shot. Uh, the commentators thought maybe Smith had tipped, or sorry, Keith had tipped it on the way in. I watched the replay in slow mo, like I usually do. I listened to the to the replay for obvious deflections, heard none, saw none, and it was just a matter of uh, Braden Shin, was it that uh, powered yeah. a shot from like top of the circle right through the five well hole and yeah. into the net. Got to make that and safe. That's got to be stopped. And then on the five. Four goal. Let me find it here. Oh yeah, this was the one where everything went wrong. And uh, uh, yeah, we had Smith down for a missed assignment there. Oh yeah, that was the one where the pass. It was kind of a weird play, and the pass went across the the crease. And Bushnevich, as Jack calls him, Bushnevich, uh, he uh, pulled it out of his skate and back across into Smith was in nowheresville, like way out of the net on the other side because he didn't read it. And and in fairness to him, that was a tough play. Like that was a very weird kind of play and a great play by Bushnevich to, uh, to, uh, to get it done. Uh, but again, I mean, here's the guy tapping the puck into one side of the net and your goalie's lying on the ice on the other side of the ice, you know, and it's, uh, yeah. So, and he made some saves. He made one big save in overtime right before the goal, and he allowed a good rebound on that one that bounced up to Nurse that led the, the counterattack and, and the goal. Uh, and in the end, he comes out with the, with the win. Uh, but uh, I, I wasn't feeling confident at very many points in that game. Let's put it that way. Uh, and uh, there was just too many breakdowns, and some of those breakdowns, occurred right in the blue paint itself so yeah Bruce, just watching him he's he doesn't look like the mike smith of last year he doesn't even look close to that player honestly there's look there looks like there's something wrong which is probably him getting old and injured honestly mm-hmm. like the, the the pass that goes through the crease the shorthanded pass if he's just a little quicker you know it just he'll cut that pass out and there's no goal but he's not quick anymore if he's just a little quicker, he stops that outside shot that, you know, yeah. goes over Keith's stick, right? He stops it. He just, he's not quick anymore. He's not Mike quick. He's Mike slow. And, um, you know, I, it, it happens. Yeah. He just looks like, it, he looks like the hitter who can't, who, who can't hit the fastball anymore, Bruce. And he's, I don't know. I'll be surprised if he can get out of this. He's had some good games. Like, he's not bad every game. His last two games have been really bad. Fortunately, tonight, the other goalie was worse. So he was the better goalie on the night. The other two goalies were worse. But um, he's not... You know, he did have a run there. He when, when he, he put together about four or five decent games in a row there before the Calgary game, maybe four. Kind of okay games pretty good decent games but i'm not i don't have any confidence in his ability at this point to be the the goalie that the orders need him to be in the playoffs i think it is it's been high time to call up skinner for some time still is and and i just think they're super loyal which is probably like 
it's like with starting quarterbacks, right? You don't want to tinker with them too much. You got to stick with them. There's 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 a kind of a mystique around the position where you don't screw with them. You you, you give them a lot of space and a, and a, show a lot of confidence and backing in them. And I, so I get all that, but at some point that changes, and you have to be. This is pro hockey. It's all about winning. If you have a goalie who on the first four goals against is making mistakes, I mean, we you hardly ever see that. We saw it tonight, especially the first three. I mean, you can make arguably that was a really tough play on the fourth. Yeah, yeah but was... I don't think I don't know, Bruce. I just I wish they would call up Skinner, and and I think there would be a huge sigh of relief from from Oiler fans. The vast majority of Oiler fans is who would think, okay, it's it's time. Am I wrong? No, I like your analogy of the uh, aging slugger who can no longer keep up with the fastball. And I mean, when you talk about aging, I mean, Mike Smith is now 40 years old, right? He turned 40 uh, a little over a week ago. And I'm not sure is the Oilers' first 40-year-old goalie since Shock Plant? I think maybe. I know uh, uh, Roley, Javi Boulin got very close uh, to that age, but uh, to look it up to be sure, but uh, 40 is pretty old. And it's to... to uh, push the baseball analogy a little bit. When your 40-year-old slugger can't catch up with the fastball, he can do one of two things. He still knows how to work the strike zone. He, he, he can take pitches. He can draw walks. He can, he can do things. Or he starts guessing and he starts chasing the high pitches that are out, up and out of the zone, but he can't hang off of them. He takes a swing at them anyway and he, and he strikes himself out effectively. And that that's what kind of seeing. guy is probably not going to help you a whole lot. And that's kind of what we're seeing. That is a, that's a good comparison, Bruce. You know, his kind of being dramatically out of position. Seems like he's, he can't course correct. He, and he's guessing, right? He's guessing it's going to be, that's and it's going to, yeah. So, I mean, fortunately, Bennington was even worse. So, uh, my bad thing, Bruce. So, the Oilers, um, we, we talked about their great start where they were, you know, 11 uh, grade A shots to three for St. Louis. And they're cruising along, man. They're, they're, it's going good. Even after they scored the fourth goal, they're getting grade A shots. Um, you know, Connor McDavid, uh, he, I think he burst in on, uh, on a really good chance. 30 seconds left in the period. Then the play comes the other way. And it's a three-on-three, and Connor McDavid's one of the three coming back. And at the red line, Bruce, Connor McDavid's like does not take a stride for the rest of the play. And he wasn't going too fast before then on the back check. He's skating back, and at the red line, he stops skating, and he starts cruising. And he lets Brandon Saad, his man, go right in, right in. And I think it's Nurse and CeCe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, covering their men. And... Um, because McDavid has given up on Saad, who just streaks in there, he's wide open to take the pass for a full breakaway. And Cody Ceci at that point is forced, he hasn't stopped the pass either, and he's forced to take a penalty. That penalty then leads directly to the goal. Or, um, it's a power play goal in the, does it? Is it the same penalty? Yeah. Um, it's just after the penalty ends, but effectively it's a power play goal. And Ceci... I mean, he gets tagged with the dash one, but he's probably not even close to being in the play. Yeah. Because uh, the penalty came at 1948, 
and the goal came at 154 so he was like six seconds out of the box and i see uh, okay uh, so technically an even strength goal but uh, i mean the rush was a power play um power play rush but the, as you say the power play was caused by uh, a weak back check by mcdavid i saw the same thing you were i, I mean i'm i'm always like the last few seconds of the period i'm always super nervous about anything going wrong and i'm thinking you got just got to mind your p's and q's and don't give them anything it's 4-1 just get to this period with it 4-1 you're in a good spot and 15 seconds left and they're coming out three on three and one of your forwards just pulls a shoot and all of a sudden it's a three on two with a guy right in alone on goal i mean he didn't score but the uh, you know the fallout was the penalty and the fallout from the penalty was they did score and, and he's not just one of your forwards he, he's oh, your yeah, captain right. he's yeah. your captain right yeah. he's he's the guy who sets the tone for the team and, and it, so if it had stopped then i maybe it wouldn't say anything but that's when the game that's the turning point of the game and from then on st louis has the momentum and they come charging back from then on and and early in the second within within in one shift he makes two more he, first of all, he he's he's a little, you could say soft, just not alert enough in a, on a battle, a slot battle. Um, the puck, Keith um, hacks the puck off a guy, but he gets it back and he passes it. And that's McDavid's man. McDavid both allows the pass and then he allows the shot from the slot, which was, it's a fairly tough play, but maybe if he had a bit more forceful, he would have stopped it. But then um, the, the play comes back in the Oilers' end and... Um, Bouchard's beat in the corner, beat down low, and the pass comes out to the slot. And what McDavid has done is, instead of covering off the slot, he's decided to wander over to the boards. And, and it's just a bad read. There's no reason for him to do this. They're not going to score from the boards. You know, they're taking, St. Louis has the puck behind the net. Cover the freaking slot. Cover off the slot. That's where they're going to score from. He, he's been told this many times. And he's over at the boards, and Kane tries to cover for him. And they get a really, uh, they get another grade A shot because he isn't in the right spot. He's allowed that pass. So Connor McDavid um, often does play very strong defensive hockey. Mm -hmm. He, he at times in this game. In times in this game, throughout and in, in for entire games and for entire stretches of games, and um, he can be a good defensive hockey player. He just he wasn't in this moment. And you'd think in this moment, they'd all be thinking, we can't let that happen. Just like, you know, when they were letting um, the first goal on all those games, you'd think, okay, we're going to super bear down right now. And we're we're going to take it to them so they don't get that first goal. And we're not going to make any dumb defensive mistakes to give up an odd man rush or an open slot shot. That's what he's doing, though. They're up. There should be alarm bells going off in their head. Okay, we're up by a couple, two, three goals. They've come back on us last game. They, you know, this could happen again. Let's let's just cover our bases and bear down defensively now and make sure that does not happen. And he didn't do it. He's the captain. So because of that, I'm uh, he's my bad thing tonight. He's got to set a better example and play better defensive hockey um, in those moments. Yeah, I'd single him out for a really good defensive play with maybe four or five minutes left in the first period uh, where he made a really good read to, to identify the danger man and just swing over to him and cut him out. And and just neutralize uh, uh, what could have been a very dangerous play. And I thought, oh, this is a good sign. And then, then the mistakes followed. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we've made enough of that, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Bruce, what is your number? 
He did score the winning goal. So it was, uh... <laughs> yes, yes. And, and I didn't bring up the, his slow back check just if, shortly before scoring the winning goal. Like they, St. Louis uh, has a five alarm chance, which he's involved in. So that happens in three on three hockey. So I'm, I'm less, I'm less incensed. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a fair characterization of my mood about the overtime play that happens and and then he comes right down and scores I mean he's such a fantastic hockey player but I just want him to be without question the best hockey player in the NHL and without question a player who will lead his team to win in the playoffs and to do that he has got to button it down in the defensive end at all times he can do it Yeah. Your number. My number is three. And three times this year now, three times. Uh, the Oilers come out in the first period, guns blazing, and have pumped a few goals past the opposing netminder and blown him out of the net three times this year. Once in Washington, it was 3 nothing in the first five minutes. Uh, once at home against Detroit, 3 nothing in the first five minutes. Goalie gone. Tonight took a little longer because St. Louis got one, so the Oilers got up to four with three-goal lead. 13 and a half minutes, goalie gone. Now, three games where you got a three-goal lead in the first period and you've already knocked the other team's goalie out of the box. How many of those games do you suppose the Oilers took that lead and carried it all the way to the end? I'll tell you how many. Zero out of the three. They blew the three-goal lead in all three games. Completely blew the lead. They were tied in Washington. They won all three games. Here's the funny part. You know, they got away with it. Uh, they they scored a shorthanded goal late in Washington to win it effectively 4-3. Uh, Detroit, they went all the way from 3 nothing up to 5-4 down with like half third period to gone, and they, they staged a big comeback down the stretch and won it 7-5. And then tonight, four went from 4-1 to 5-5, and it was white-knuckle time the whole way down the stretch. You know, one more mistake, and they come out of it with nothing. And, you know, it was just a... Uh, games, all three games where the Oilers were in complete control and in each case they they fell asleep defensively and it seemed like they called off the dogs offensively. It's like, oh, we got enough goals, we, get, we beat their goalie now now we can sort of cruise and it's like the act of uh, pulling the goalie not only wakes the other team up but it puts the Oilers into a friggin' coma. Three out of three times. I mean, when are you going to learn this lesson, fellows? This is the pros here. You got to play the whole bloody game. It's their sugar coma. They get too much sugar. <laughs> they go to sleep yeah. on the couch. Yeah. yeah, that. So, so an, uh, uh, one sort of related number, which I will sneak in here, uh, and that is uh, the last two games where the Oilers have blown big leads: a three-one against LA, and then of course four-one tonight. Won both games in extra time, but both LA and St. Louis snuck out of Edmonton with the point. Well, if you look at the standings tonight in the Western Conference, you'll see LA 84, St. Louis 84, Edmonton 83. You know, even though they got the two points, they didn't get they didn't get the two points. They got two of the three points because of the way that the game worked out and because of the crazy point system that the NHL continues to inflict on us. Yeah. And it's a nine-team race for the playoffs. I mean, it is, and there's only ten if you include Winnipeg, one. which I don't. But so it's a nine-team yeah. race for the playoffs, and Vegas is still just five points back of the Oilers. Yeah. 
Well, they're winning a three nothing in Seattle. They probably already won it by now. They they play Seattle twice in a row. I think both games in Seattle and it was three nothing. And tonight it was three nothing late. Is it is it over? Uh, just wondering if the standings have been see. updated. Uh, five two, fine. Yeah, maybe the standings. I, I just re I just updated the standings, so maybe my thing already includes that. We'll see. I don't know if I don't know how many games Vegas has played now. I guess Seattle's officially four, out of play. Four in a row, and at this point in time. Oh no! So they're just they're just uh, okay. This isn't. Yeah, so now they're just three points back of the Oilers. Dallas is four. Dallas is now out of the. Uh, and LA is still ahead because they got one in Edmonton, and then last night uh, Calgary let them off the mat and uh, let them walk away from from uh, Cowtown with two points. Thanks for nothing, Calgary. We hate Calgary, right? Well, I was rooting for them last night. You know, I mean, it, it, <laughs> it, it, not often. Not often am I rooting for Calgary. And I was watching that game, and I'm rooting for Calgary to, you know, to pull off, sleaze one out somehow. You know, two one late. I'm thinking, okay, this is uh, this is Daryl Sutter territory. But uh, nope, couldn't hold the lead, and then they couldn't do anything in overtime with shootout, and that was that. Yeah, there really is only one team that's separated from the pack, and that's Colorado, right? They're they're way ahead of everyone else. So you really don't want to finish uh, in one of those in the eighth wild card spot. So yeah, come on, Oilers. I, I want nothing to do with any of the wild card spots. I want third or second in the Pacific, and I don't really care which, honestly. Yeah. Uh, you know, home ice is is great, but I mean, third or second, you're you're going to get the same opponent, seven game series, uh, and. Honestly, after two straight years where the Oilers started off on home ice and were heavy favorites to win their series and blew it both years, I, in some ways I wouldn't mind a, you know, start on the road and get their feet wet there. But third third place in Pacific is the minimum objective as far as I'm concerned. They're seven two and one, Bruce, in their last uh, ten games, the Oilers. So that puts them uh, they're the second hottest team in this. Let me just see if. Uh... Yeah, second hottest team in this group of teams. Only Minnesota has been uh, has a better record. So um, Colorado's got the same record. So the they've. Oilers, go ahead. Currently, have the Oilers currently have concurrently are riding an eight a nine game nine game home winning streak and a five game road losing streak. Here come the Oilers. Finally, figure out one part of the problem of the of the issue, and because uh, they've gone like they lost 11 out of 16 at home and re- all in regulation before that. Now they started winning at home, and now they're winning at home. But just like that, a team that had been really good on the road suddenly they can't uh, get her done. So hopefully the that weirdest... turns around on this three-game road trip upcoming. They're going to need to win some games on that trip. Yeah, they're the weirdest team in hockey been an odd odd season david it really has it's been trying in many ways bruce uh my number is so i i talked about that play where mcdavid failed to make the back check on that play so so after that st louis my number is 13 to 3 that's great a shots out including that and after that moment from then on 13 to 3 the rest of the game fortunately the order scored on two of those three uh with nurse mcdavid scoring but 13 to three. I mean, just they, St. Louis just got rolling, and the Oilers could not stop them, and and uh, it was just bad news. So, yeah, 
So what's the next game? We got uh, Monday night. Uh, Sunday night against Sunday Anaheim. Night. Oh yeah, it's we figured out. Yeah, what... it's an early start, and I I still don't know what channel it's on because it it's not to. listed on my TV anywhere in any of the normal usual suspects. So hopefully they just haven't got the listings figured out. They're they're right up against a a different game, Vegas and Vancouver. But surely uh, the Alberta audience will get Edmonton. So. We'll see. By the way, uh, uh, that was our scoring chances. Um, uh, Natural Statric had high danger chances at 20 to 19 for Edmonton after 14 to 7 in the first. And at 5 on 5 play, it was 13 to 5 in the first. And then uh, after that, 16 to 14, it wound up only 16 to 14. And my man, Yessa Pugliarvi, who didn't score a point tonight, that I just wrote about how he how he does things to help whatever line he's on. Tonight, his grade-A scoring chances were 10-4-1 against. Just when he was on the ice. Jumped off this, yes, when he was on the ice. And he was involved in a lot of them. That's Jesse, Jesse the uh, disruptor, I'm starting to call him, because he just is constantly... <laughs> messing up the other team when they're trying to get get the puck and get it moving and yes it gets in there and the puck goes nowhere and next thing you know lawyers have a possession again in the offensive zone yeah he's not scoring many points but man the puck's in the right end an awful lot of yeah it's got a conundrum bruce like yamamoto's really playing well i really like kata yamamoto too i like both these players i don't have a favorite between them And it may come down to a choice between them in terms of who they're going to sign. Uh, We'll see. There's also Evander Kane in the mix, and we don't know how that turns out. So there's three forwards they got to sign this summer. Good luck doing it because, you know, they don't have a lot of cap space. They're losing Koskinen's contract, but their nurse is getting the big bump in pay. So that takes care of that. Um, Yeah, good luck. Good luck signing these guys. It's not going to be easy, Bruce. So hopefully they can figure it out. Well, as I wrote in my headline, the first priority, from my point of view, Pugliarvi is the guy they need to need to uh, to take care of because he's a he's a uh, influencer. I'm not and, decided yet, honestly. I I want to see the playoffs. Yeah, well, I want to yeah, see sure. I want to see Pugliarvi and Yamamoto. So you could say he's the like going into the summer, like or go like as of right now. Oh, oh, well. And I might not disagree with you as of right now, but a lot can happen. And what happens in the playoffs is critical. So if Yamamoto, for instance, gets shut down again in the playoffs or Pugliarvi doesn't come through or Kane comes up big, like things change. Now, I, I think Kane's in a different category. He is, I think yeah. that they, they've got to focus on signing Pugliarvi and Yamamoto. And, um, and they got to be careful with Kane because he's older. And um, old players drop off fast. 31-year-old power forward, David, what could go wrong? Yeah, exactly. Ask Andrew Ladd and ask... The next um, Andrew Ladd. I was just going to pull that name. <laughs> well, there's just that. an endless number of them, right? Like, there's just you, Milan Lucic. It just goes Kyle on and on Pozo. and on. Yeah, yeah. Kyle Pozo. Yeah. They were all signed that one summer, a lot of them. Yes. That was oh, a terrible anyway, summer that, for science. But when I pulled those numbers on Pugliari, I was just so startled to see every single order that played with them saw their percentages go way up in every offensive category that I checked, including goals. They were better when they were on the ice with Pugliarvi by 5 to 10 or even 15% better with Pugliarvi than when they weren't on the ice with them. Every 
player. Like there was like 15 teams that real they played big... an hour or more yeah. with, and every one of them had straight positive numbers when they played with him compared to when they played without him. He is a really good two-way hockey player and he gives up little in his own end. He's a smart defender. He's a strong two-way hockey player. I don't, I don't like, I guess some people want it to be more physical. I think I've heard that critique and I, I don't buy it. Um, I don't agree with it. I think he's plenty physical. Um, he's smart it physical. It up. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's not going to run anybody through the boards, but how many orders did you see running people through the boards tonight? No. I saw Robert Bordetuzo try and run Brett Kulak through the boards, but apparently that's legal now. If you're... <laughs> I like Louis. Louis finally yeah, Louis, had it. Louis called it. He Louis is, called Louis, it. Well, Louis was ranting on Oilers now. Like, I've never, <laughs> Louis is not a controversial person. He doesn't say uh, shocking things very much, but he got, he got, he, it was shots fired on Oilers now. He went after the refs big time. He's had right. it. And, um, He's letting it fly. Yeah, I agree. Tonight he said this. He said this is the kind of hits that the NHL wants to see, hitting the guy in the number. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. He did. said it, and I thought, yeah, good on you, Louie, because that's the way it comes across to me too. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, well, let's leave it there, Bruce. Let's leave it there. Kurt's got the game grade, so. Right on. All right. Thanks for talking tonight. Great. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.